Oh, and for a warning, if I turn into a robot, just let me know. If I turn into Valbot 3000, because I live in the upstairs of the building and the internet is the downstairs of the building. So sometimes I turn into a Valbot. Yeah, I will. If if I get robotic tendencies from you, I will let you know. And um, Harley will just have to edit it out. Okay. Thanks in advance, Harley. <laughs> Thanks, Harley. And with me tonight, I have the lovely and talented Val Capone. In addition to being my Val Pal and my Russell Bestie, she was also nominated for a Glitter Bomb for Outstanding Performer in a Non-Wrestling Role. You can hear and see her doing commentary and ring announcing all through promotions in the Chicagoland area, including freelance wrestling, and on Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Welcome to Grit and Glitter, Val Capone. Aw, thanks, Val Pal. I was just like... (laughs) burying my face into my own hands because I I was like ah you know <laughs> even though you can't even see me I was hella blushing during your intro it was sweet and cute and also it made me think how well I got nominated for a crazy award that I didn't expect to see my name in with like amazingly talented human beings that uh I'm still like why do people enjoy what I do that's crazy to me well, one of the reasons why I enjoy what you do is because you are so genuine on commentary and, <laughs> and you just, you just let it, you just let your, your personality shine through to the point of, um, it was so funny cause we had set this interview up and then you, uh, did commentary for the most recent freelance show. And at one point you said, hi, I like glitter. And I was like, that is so perfect. That is one of the reasons why I love her. <laughs> So I am kind of a big old dork. And even though I'm also kind of a jock douchebag, because um, I do love sports, but I also love glitter. And why not Los Dos? You know what I mean? Like, you should be able to love all things sporting and good, but also all things nerdery and dorkery and also glitter. And I like lifting heavy stuff, but I also like watching Star Wars more often than not. And I live for Disney World. And like, I have an AM FM radio that's shaped like a penguin, because why wouldn't you like, you know what I mean? One of my favorite humans who was also nominated for said award, Alveda Scott, gave me a possum and a peanut, because why don't you gift your good friends possums and peanuts? Duh. And like, you know, why can't you be a dork and be proud of it? It's totally okay. And so, yeah, when I run out of things to say, I get awkward. It's okay. And uh, yeah, so I like glitter. It's true. But uh, <laughs> but I love wrestling and I don't understand why it's not okay to like wrestling. Like people are always like, uh, mm, freaking marks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a mark. I'm a lady mark. And I'm damn proud of that because last I checked, why are you working so hard at wrestling and being good at wrestling and talking about the wrestlings if you're not a fan of it? Like, why are you not proud of that fact? And why is Mark a dirty word? Like, it shouldn't be. I'm proud to be a fan. Like, I I was gifted a Mean Gene Okerlund figure from a coworker of mine. And it's like one of the coolest things ever. And I have it. Uh, at the top of my stairs so that I see it on the way out of my like loft like every single day when I leave because it gives me good vibes when I leave like what would mean Jean do be righteously awesome is how I feel you know what I mean I've loved that man's work since I was a little girl sadly he left this earthly plane on my 40th birthday but that's okay too I was actually at Disney World and when I got the news I was heartbroken Oh. So I have like an odd connection to Mean Gene. <laughs> so the really awkward thing to say out loud. Sorry, Val. <laughs> you are absolutely fine. 
So he's originally from South Dakota and I'm originally from South Dakota. And my brother was a teacher for a while and he taught at the high school that me and Jean attended. Um, Obviously not at the same time because my brother's younger than I am. But um, I do have a picture of me and Jean as a senior in high school that my brother sent me. Whoa. Oh my gosh. You need to send that to me and I want to turn it into a t-shirt and wear it on my birthday so I could be like, rest in peace, me and Jean. Happy birthday, and he will live on forever. On January the 2nd, I will celebrate his life and my life every year. By the way, <clears throat> January the 2nd is one of the worst birthdays ever. Feel free to send me a present, new friends listening far and wide. That was a terrible uh, cash grab, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I think it's wrestling tradition to uh, panhandle on your birthday on Twitter and so other social media, because if you have fans that love you, maybe they want to give you money. Well, it's not even like money. It's really just like, Hey, give me an internet high five, which like so many people did. And it made my freaking day. You have no idea because like, all right, so bring that beat back. Like let's go in the way back machine. Right? Like, so little baby Val fonts, um, was raised in a very not religious household, but we like to celebrate life and love and holidays and time together and things like that. So uh, half my family did Hanukkah and the other half did Christmas because my mom's side of the family is Jewish. Tall dad's side of the family is Irish Catholic. Nobody's very religious, like sports and rock and roll are our religion. So go figure. I loved wrestling, right? Because it's all of the above. It's athletic theater and in my mind. So that's why I love it so much. So I got the happy birthday, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah present all in one, which was basically a middle finger wrapped up with a bow, you know? So like January 2nd is pretty much like the worst because now that I'm an adult, everyone's hungover, everyone's broke, everyone's doing dry January. And I live in Chicago, which is the greatest city on earth, except for when it's like frozen tundra weather, right? So, like, people are buried alive by snow, or it's negative 22 degrees out before the wind chill, then it's negative 72 degrees out. Or I was born in a blizzard, and then there was, like, 20 years later, there was another blizzard. So, you know, every 20 years, there's a gnarly blizzard. So, it just sucks. So, the fact that so many people were so generous and kind on my birthday to even say happy birthday to me, like, blew my mind. And speaking of my mind, because of suffering from long COVID, I can't really do too many things now that like adventurous things like I used to do. Like I used to just be like, hmm, I'm going to go backpacking and just figure out where I'm going to end up and get lost in the woods and not care and just do crazy stuff like that. And like, I'm going to eat out of a cooler. I don't even know what's in here. Well, hopefully I don't get food poisoning. And like, you know, now I can't live like that anymore. Like I couldn't just go, you know, on like a 10 day uh, living in a van in Hawaii, which is what I used to do is just like driving around the big island and live out of cooler off of lunch meats from Costco and hope that you don't get sick. You know what I mean? And of course, like a handle of vodka, but that was (laughs) in my, you know, earlier years and uh, a lot of hapia pies from uh, McDonald's drive through is like the only warm food that we would eat because those damn things are delicious. Now I have to be very cognizant of what I put into my body because I'm an older retired athlete because I played roller derby for 15 years and destroyed my body to appease the derby gods. But with long COVID, like I can't really like be out partying all night and I've, you know, dealt with it for the last year. So I just had a really low key, wonderful birthday where I spent like the first half of the day just like chilling in my house and like resting and resting my brain and not like having too much loud noises and stuff like that. So I was just like scrolling with my blue light glasses on because I don't wear prescription glasses. I wear prescriptive glasses, which is like just blue light glasses, you know, to save my brain power, (laughs) watching everybody say thanks and telling me that they appreciated my goofball commentary. And it was crazy. And I, yeah, I don't know. I really loved it. It was wonderful. So to talk about why I love professional wrestling and not just how Pia pies from McDonald's, um, which for the record are basically just coconut cream pies with a beautiful name uh, that gets sold on the big island of Hawaii. I was going to Google that. Yeah, no. Thank you. 
so delicious, so delicious, so delicious. So because of my dad working in rock and roll my entire life, he was like the LD lighting director, in case you don't want to Google that, at the OG Slammies, which was like for you kids that today was the award show that they used to have every year for the Fed when it was the WWF. And I was like, excuse me, what were you, dad? And he's like, yeah, because my first show when I was a little lady that I recall seeing, although he's like, oh, I used to take you to wrestling at age three. And I was like, OK, cool, bro. I don't remember it. So, OK, <laughs> was WrestleMania two uh, when it was triple cast between L.A., New York and Chicago and which was actually Rosemont, Illinois. And um, so one of my favorite matches today, even though now when I watch it, it's kind of like hot garbage because compared to the matches today that we have for um, the stellar women in wrestling, but it was not so fabulous moolah versus velvet McIntyre. And it was like, I always say it was such a pivotal role in my life because it taught me that I could do anything regardless of my gender. Because I remember turning to my dad going, daddy girls can wrestle. And it like melted in my little girl brain. And he was like, yeah, of course you can, sweetheart. You can do whatever you want, kiddo. And I was like, Wah? because back in the day you know it wasn't really as supported as it is now for young girls in particular to be strong and badass you could sure you could be strong i guess sort of if you wanted to like dance with a ribbon or like use light pink and purple weights sure yeah that's about as strong as you can get you can wear like a leotard sure but then you had to have your hair in a side pony and, uh, you know, it can only be like a light blue leotard. You couldn't just like come out being a boss ass bee. And I was like, whoa, you can wrestle. Wow. And then as the years went on, I realized that women's wrestling maybe wasn't taken as seriously as it could have been. And then in the rarest of form, I saw this gigantically beautiful tall drink of water that was terrifyingly gorgeous. And she just stood behind hunter hearst helmsley and oh she was stunning to me and she looked like no woman i'd ever seen on television and i was just so perplexed and then on monday night raw she came out and she like crossed the barricade and like whipped marlena who gold dust is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time because he was like gender bending and blew people's minds and was so crucial to me as well, because again, as somebody who I typically would call myself gender non-conforming, because I've never done anything that I'm supposed to do just because I'm a woman or I'm not supposed to do because I'm a woman. I've just always done shit because I do shit and don't tell me I can do or not do or whatever you think I should do or not do. Eh, fuck off, you know, like, just let me be me. Gold dust, Dustin is on my Mount Rushmore, if you will. He's absolutely hands down one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but just this brilliant, terrifyingly stunning, gorgeous monster of a goddess. Whoop, Terry Ronald's Marlena, like a rag doll. And I jumped over my coffee table and climbed slowly to the TV. Like, who is that? And my partner at the time was like, what is wrong with you? And I just looked at him and I was like, shut the fuck up who is that and then that's when i immediately fell in love with who i now know is china and to this day is my favorite wrestler and fuck all y'all if you disagree because guess what you're wrong she's the greatest <laughs> <laughs> well it's good to kind of hear like what got you into wrestling and and especially into women's wrestling china was so far ahead of her time no oh, um, still is like forever there's nobody that compares to have a strong powerful attractive woman amongst the sea of like attractive women that were maybe less strong and powerful or just more strong and powerful in their own ways it was a different vibe than everyone else has put now well yeah especially because china to me was just i didn't feel like i looked like the girls that I would see because I was only five, nine and a half, but I was always taller than everyone my age. I think I would have been taller except for when I was in high school. Uh, I got in a gnarly car wreck where we were hit head on by a semi. 
So I stopped growing. <laughs> they were like, well, hope you like being the height you are because you're not getting any taller. And I'm so lucky to be alive. So I'm not complaining, but I am the shortest woman on my dad's side of the family. Like next to me, the next shortest woman is six two. So I am a little peeved, but I'm also alive. So I'm not complaining. And especially <laughs> since when I played roller derby, I was six two on my roller skate. So I was like, ah, this is my actual height. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you Paul got to Dan, live vicariously through your roller. <laughs> yeah, on my roller skates, right? I mean, Tall Dad is called Tall Dad because he was six eleven my entire life, and now that he's older, he's six eight. So he's he's regressed in height. He's shrunk a bit, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Tall Dad for a reason. Like he's definitely not. People are like, oh, so so who is your actual dad? I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like Tall Dad's my dad. He's just very very tall. And when you see us together, we look exactly alike. It's like frightening. And we have the same exact mannerisms and we both sound like such goofuses. And I don't say doofus. I say goofus with a G because we are goofballs. That's for sure. But yeah, China was like, she she made me feel like good about being me because I have broad shoulders and I have a rib cage from here to Mars and I have hips that don't quit. And like, I could crush a cantaloupe with my thighs. Like, you know what I mean? Like I am a strong motherfucker and there's no shame in that game. And I never thought there was, especially since I went from like having to learn how to walk again to go to my junior prom to like being told it's like, I tried to wrestle in high school and they're like, no, you could be the water girl. And I was like, why? Because you have to take, like, you can't spot me when I'm on the bench press. Is it because I can bench more than you? Because I can bench my body weight and I'm a 14, 15 year old female. What What is the reasoning behind me not being able to be on the wrestling team? Like why? You know what I mean? And then to see yeah. China a few years later, like being like, holy shit, it's okay to be as strong, if not stronger than my male counterparts. And that I would work at punk rock music venues and I would always be the only girl on staff that wasn't like a bartender or a cocktail waitress or something like that. Like I would always be the only door guy that happens to be a girl. And people would be like, are you the the door girl? Like, so you take like the guest list. And I'm like, no, I'm the one that breaks up the skinhead fights. <laughs> like, like I'm the one that kicks you out for fighting and doing blow. Like, that's my job. <laughs> oh, so you're a bouncer? I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't escalate the fights. I stop them. Like, that's my job. And to see China, it was like, holy shnikes like this is who i'm meant to be like this is what i'm meant to do you know what i mean yeah. oh god she was my everything and like to this day i still have like a framed piece of artwork of uh rob she's i'm gonna mispronounce his name um sham sham oof, shamburger sham I, I don't i'm so sorry he does the artwork for wwe um and he did a piece, he did like a limited run of a of, uh, portrait of her. And I have one of her basically above my dresser. So it's like a really nice reminder to like, no matter what's going on, like keep it focused, keep it together, keep yourself motivated. Yeah, there you go. So you were in roller derby, you beat up skinheads and... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so bad. <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm I stop like, the fights. I don't beat them up. I don't escalate them. I stop the fights. You don't and, have to beat them up because they're scared of you. And that's brilliant. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I would use a lot of the um a lot of the things that I would see in wrestling. Like I I would use a lot of the maneuvers that I would see in wrestling and just put people to the floor and then put my knee in their spine. And I wouldn't have to beat them up because I would put somebody in a full Nelson or you know, I would clothesline somebody and flip them, turn them inside out. You know what I mean? Like, and that I would crank their arm back and just keep them on the ground until the cops showed up. And people would be like, well, who who did this? And da, da, da. And they'd always be like, she did. And they'd be like, no, no, really, who did this? And I'd be like, hi, that's me, the girl in the pigtails. You know what I mean? Like, and they'd be like, what? A, a woman did this? And I'm like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and I did it while I was out of the kitchen. Isn't that crazy? A woman? Yeah. Out of the kitchen? What? No. Yeah. But I ne I actually never wrestled because of, as the uh, WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley once told me, because he asked me, he goes, 
are you a worker? Because you look like you'd be a worker. Like you have the build, you have the look. Why do you, how come you don't work? And I was like, well, I am a worker, sir. I work a microphone. And he goes, oh no, don't get me wrong. You definitely are good at doing that. He's like, I'm just surprised that you don't wrestle. And I go, well, I've had, you know, I played roller derby for 15 years and I had, and we started going through all my injuries and he goes, oh yeah, no, your bump card's full. Yeah, no, you should not. And I was like, yeah, because I've had 12 concussions that I know of. I've had, um, I'm waiting to have my shoulder replaced from multiple dislocations. I have fractured my clavicle. I've dislocated my jaw. I've had uh, my my left nostril ripped off. I've had my eyelids sliced open. I've had my ribcage torn from my sternum. I mean, I, the, the injuries are, that I've had from roller derby are insane. I've had multiple knee surgeries. I've had my hip dislocated, ankle surgery, broken leg, broken foot. I've broken every single one of my fingers, dis, uh, broken my wrist multiple times on both hands. Yeah. So I think it's safer that I just hold a microphone. I don't know about you, Val Pal, but yeah. Have you thought about getting your skeleton replaced with like titanium? Or just like jello. So you just not squish? <laughs> yeah, just like squishy. So like when I walk, I just bounce. I mean, I'm squishy and it's not that great. I'll be honest. I think you're really great. So there's that. Sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm maybe an X-Men. And I think that's why Dark Week and I are, are smitten kittens with each other. Because like she and I are like sisters from Mother Misters. I think that we may be X-Men's. We are mutants, I'm pretty sure. I, th- I might be part Wolverine. I think I do have an, ad- an adamantium skeleton inside me somewhere because I'm pretty sure that I heal in the most insane of ways because for all the damage that my body has sustained, somehow I am still alive. Somehow. Barely. Clinging. 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 Well, I am more like happy than I can say that you're still alive because (laughs) well you're my favorite and we make for good roommates (laughs) you know sometimes it do be like that true story after all of your derby experience how did you get into doing commentary and ring announcing and I know you've done interviews like how did you get into working in wrestling so it actually happened by kind of by accident which life is a series of happy accidents i feel like for me right time right place is kind of my mo for roller derby i started playing in 2004 right time right place for that and then i had one of my first knee injuries in 2005 2006 i think and i was going to support Ohio roller derby was starting up and we were at their first game ever and they they like shoved a microphone in my face and they were like oh what do you think about the action on the track and they had invited people into the booth like to do you know a a few jams here and there and jams are what the intervals of gameplay are for roller derby I stayed in for quite a bit because I like I said I'm a jock douchebag like I grew up across the street from Wrigley Field And I actually, my shoot job is that I'm a beer vendor at Wrigley. So I'm like surrounded by sports pretty much 24 seven. And I grew up listening to sports radio. And so I'm just very familiar with the sports call, like, you know, whether it be hockey, basketball, football, uh, soccer, American soccer, you know, football, American football, and like everything, just everything. So I've just always listened to sports radio because like hockey originally in Chicago, you could not watch the Blackhawks on TV. So I had to, quote unquote, watch the Blackhawks on the radio. Like that's how I would listen to watch the Hawks games is I would have to envision what the games look like by listening to the games on the radio. Because the owner back in the day said, if you don't have season tickets, you don't deserve to see every single game because he was crazy. So I spent a lot of time listening to sports radio as a kid, listening to the call. So um, I just kind of had that natural inclination to call games like a sportscaster would. So there was this like invite to come back and do it again. And I said, oh my gosh, I would love to. So then that kind of parlayed into 
doing live roller derby calls because roller derby is a very complex game. <laughs> and it, unless you're familiar with the sport at an intricate level, as though you were one of the players, you might not understand it while you're watching it live. And roller derby is one of the few sports, I believe cricket might be the other one, where the participants and the spectators can hear the call live. As though, you know, like imagine if you were hearing commentary live in the house at a wrestling event, right? That's kind of what it's like. So I would be one of the house call commentators for roller derby for years. And then in 2007, I got invited to be part of what was at the time the first ever flat track roller derby broadcast. And I was the first female to ever be part of the broadcast team because at the time it was only women's roller derby. And so there wasn't a lot of places for men in the world of roller derby. And so typically there was only male broadcasters. And so I was the first female broadcaster and it was such an honor and like crazy. And the fact that I was like a skater and a commentator was pretty rare. Like that was not a thing back then. And so I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And then I was a skater commentator and a coach. And so I had all, just, I was so busy all the time and I loved it. And then all of a sudden, years and years and years are going by. And my friend, Dr. Keith, who is a producer for AE, um, AAW and also a cameraman, he goes, hey, are you coming to our show? And I said, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow night. Of course, I love supporting you guys. And he's like, cool. How early are you getting there? I'm like, well, y'all are on the south side and I'm working the Cubs game. So I'll be there, you know, as soon as I can. But it's pretty far. And he goes, can you be here by 6 p.m.? I was like, dude, I got to work the Cubs game, but I'll be there as soon as I can. He goes, can you be here before doors? And I was like, I'm, I mean, I'll try. And he goes, well, our ring announcer had a, had a family emergency. And who do I think that could fill in on, on short notice, but Val Capone, because you know more about wrestling than most people and you got a voice that can do it. Are you game? And I was like, I will be there before doors. I guarantee it. So it kind of <laughs> happened by mistake, like by on accident, you know? And so like I always say, I definitely was not doing my hair and makeup and or changing while out of my beer vending uniform while I was driving, because I would never do that. That's very unsafe. I also definitely did not have a walking cast up to my knee that I completely forgot about while I committed to doing this call. So I got to the venue and I was all dolled up, but I had a boot up to my knee and I was like, oh, fuck. What do I do now? And so I said, well, suck it up, buttercup. It's game day and you got to play with the ankle injury. We're going to be just fine. So I just did a heel lock tape job, just like I would have if I had a championship game I had to play in and my team needed me to. And I said, I got these Harley boots that zip up real tight. I'm going to do this. And <laughs> nobody had any idea that I had a bunch of torn ligaments in my ankle, but I sure did. And uh, my first call ever was uh, Mustafa Ali versus Ray Oris. And Ali bounced his face off the barricade and split his nose open, got a massive concussion. The match had to be called due to injury. So the ref X'd out, like he X'd the match. And I had to, so first off, AAW has their ring announcers. You have to time the match. You have to ring the bell. You have to call the match and you have to introduce everybody. So you have to be like in the ring. But I had like an almost broken ankle. And I was wearing a, a skirt and I had to climb in and out of the ring, but there's no stairs. And I was just like, oh, my stars, what am I doing here? And it was my first time ever ring announcing. And the first match I ever called got X'd out. I was like, what the what? But I did it. It worked out fine. The whole night was great. Sammy Callahan almost broke my mic and he dropped it in between. Like there was maybe an inch and a half in between the ring and the stage that the ring was butted up against. And of course he like threw my mic and it landed in between there, which is great. Cause then we had to like crawl around underneath the ring. And then there was a dance off. It was like Jack Evans and Trevor Lee and who is now Cameron Grimes on NXT. Like it was crazy. It was a crazy night. There was like a dance off. It, it was crazy. It was awesome. And Chris hero was on the show. I want to say. I sure like, had everything. <laughs> yeah, Abyss was on it. 
Heidi Lovelace and Kimberly were a tag team against a barefoot tag team known as the Hooligans. Ray Phoenix was on and Phoenix and I only spoke to each other in Spanish. It was great. It was awesome. And at the end of the night, I took my motorcycle boot off and like put my walking cast back on. And Chris Hero was like, yo, did you do that tonight? I was like, oh, no, dude, I play roller derby. And then he and I have been like BFFs ever since. It's great. Yeah. And so that's how I started ring announcing. Because of that, when Kirby from Freelance had to take a time out due to some health issues, Freelance knew that I worked with AAW and they were like, Andy Long from Freelance Underground was like, hey, Valfonts, do you want to work ring announcing? And Matt Nix of Freelance was on the show. And I was like, hey, dude, you got anybody the next night for Logan Square Auditorium? Ha ha ha. And he goes, actually, I was going to ask you, Kirby might be out for a while. Do you want to be our fill-in? while he's out recovering. And I was like, are you serious? Because I was like lady marking out every single freelance show, banging on the ring, you know, skanking whatever uh, space monkey would be coming out and like freaking out, you know, doing like the, you know, it's, it's not confidence, it's all ego, like, you know, like freaking out every single time any of the wrestlers would come out and like singing along to the theme songs and just loving life and loving wrestling. And then Steve Tortorello from Warrior was there one night and he's like, hey, Valfonce, do you want to join the Warrior family? And I said, well, I got to ask Matt Nix if that, if he's cool with that, because I don't want to like be doing too many things, even though I'm like the queen of controlling the chaos and doing like, a million things at once. As long as he's cool with it, I would love to. And he was like, hell yeah, Val, the more gigs, the better. And I was like, okay. And when Kirby came back, Nix was like, he's our dude, but I want you to be our dude. So can I make up a job for you? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, what about be our backstage correspondent? I'm like, well, you guys don't even do interviews. He goes, yeah, because we've never had anybody that I thought would be good. So I want you to do it. I think you'll be great because you love wrestling and you know wrestling. I was like, like, awesome. So I was doing that and I did the same thing for Warrior. And then the pandemic hit and you know, I was working warrior and I was always on backstage correspondent work and doing the ring announcing for the women's matches because Steve wanted to showcase the strength in women's wrestling and not just in the ring, which when he said that to me, it like blew my mind. He goes, there's so many strong women in wrestling and I want to showcase the women of warrior. And you're one of the women of warrior, not just the women in the ring. But you have such a great voice and it's so different than every other ring announcer out there. And I want people to hear you. And so that's why I always do the predominantly women's wrestling, but uh, women's matches, but sometimes other matches because he loves the sound of my ring announcing. And I'm like, holy shnikes, that's so rad. And then um, the stadium series hit, which was like the first indie show back after the pandemic hit warrior did shows on the football field and rich our lead commentator got stuck in florida because of the pandemic and steve was like valfonce you're up and i said excuse me and he goes uh you've been doing roller derby commentary for well over a decade you can easily translate that to wrestling commentary and rich was like Val, i've heard you do roller derby commentary i think that you got this and I was like I've never done it and he's like well Nick Houseman will help you out I'm like okay it's not like this is a big high pressure show or anything so <laughs> my first opportunity to learn how to do wrestling commentary was Friday Night Lights for Warrior it's a first indie show back kind of a big deal and then that turned into the collective which is where I met you officially in person which was such yes. a great experience and then that's how I got into Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And I got to like fulfill a dream of mine because I'd been going to Shimmer for so many years, just sitting there front row cheering on all the badass women of Shimmer for so many years. And when Dave Prezak said, hey, do you want a ring announce for Shimmer? I almost peed my pants. And to get to do that was like an unbelievable dream of mine. It was, oh, it was such an honor to get to represent Shimmer at that show, even though I botched a couple things here and there. And, you know, I'm still kind of mad at myself about it, but that's OK. But yeah, getting to do the first big gay brunch and it, 
it's just insane that I get to represent because like as a queer woman, like I am bisexual and I hate that bisexuals get, you know, birasure is a very real thing and it's upsetting and I have never been okay with that. And so I love that I get to like speak up for other people like me. It's such a wonderful feeling. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could go on for hours about how much I love wrestling and how I feel so hashtag blessed. Do people still say that? I don't know. I'm old. <laughs> I'm openly pansexual and you and I've talked about this before. It is very weird sometimes where I don't feel gay enough to be with the gays and I don't feel straight enough to be with the straights either. And it's this weird middle of like, where do you fit in? And I too, I identify myself as pansexual. I will most often call myself queer or, you know, a queer person. And I love being able to see other people like me doing things in wrestling and having a place to do that and a platform. Yeah. I mean, I told you personally, and I think it's one of the things that like helped us bond is like, I told you that I like had to sit in my car and just cry after the first big gay brunch because getting to do the main event, I know I said it was such an honor to do Shimmer, but in in the same vein, it was such an absolute honor to do that main event between Sunny Kiss and Cassandro because I have been such a fan of Cassandro for so many years, so many years. Like even thinking about it is, is getting me choked up to have the future and the history of queer wrestling right there. It was so important to me. And I know how important that show is because I had the luxury of growing up within blocks of what was formerly known as Boys Town now is more appropriately named North Halstead. North Halstead is so inclusive. Not everybody grows up within blocks of a gayborhood. Not everybody has parents that are understanding and accepting not everybody feels comfortable in their own skin. I've always felt comfortable being me. I've always felt good about who I am. And that is such a privilege and such, I feel so lucky that I've never given a fuck what other people think about me. Because if you don't like me, I'm sorry. I like me. Do I have days that I don't? Of course, everybody does. But at the end of the day, I still like who I am and I'm still thankful that I get to be me because I have a wonderful support system. And that is not me bragging. That is me recognizing that I am beyond lucky. But for that, all of that, there are so many people that don't have that. And so the reason why being a part of Effie's Big Gay Brunch is so important to me and I will always, forever, always want to be a part of it in some small way, shape, or form, even if my time passes eventually, because not everybody has that. And if I get to be that for someone, that is so important to me. If I get to be the person that they feel comfortable talking to, if I get to be the voice that they feel like they can relate to, if I get to, in some way, shape, or form, make them feel normal, safe, comfortable, accepted, loved appreciated, if I make them feel beautiful, if I make them feel special, if I make them feel happy, if I make them feel less scared to be who they are, like that's all that matters to me. I think it's so important, not just because it's a party and a celebration, but because it's so much more than that. I'm a big loud cuss machine and, you know, I'm a boisterous dance party but I'm also a big old softy that's super sentimental and I just I want people to feel joy and feel love and it's so important there's so much ugly in the world I just want people to see how beautiful they are because there is so much ugly out there and so much hate and you know like if we can combat that together like let's fucking do it man like let's be the ones that makes this a better place. Just like I said early on, I don't like to escalate the violence. I like to shut it down and I like to spread the joy. I like to make sure everybody has a good time. I just want to make sure that people feel good about themselves. I just want to make people feel loved. And I think that's part of why Effie has me on board 
I mean, I hope that's why Effie has me on board because that's my number one mission with Big Gay Brunch. Yeah, do I act silly? Yeah, do I tell ridiculous stories? Yeah, do I like glitter? A doy. But just because I'm quick with a pun, I do love Lady Gaga more than I don't. That's not why I'm there. I do love a good hand fan, but that's not why I'm there. I think I'm there because I want to make people feel loved. I want to make people feel important. And I want them to know that if their family doesn't love them, well, our family does. And that's why Big Gay Brunch exists. Like, it's not just to be fabulous. It's to be family. For me, um, the Big Gay Brunch in Indiana was the first Pride event that I attended after coming out. And I, I did. I cried a little bit when I was there because it was just like, it was so beautiful and wonderful to be amongst my people and yeah. to not have to worry about having to hide that part of me. It, it is crazy because at that very same event, I got like told that I wasn't, that it was for queer announcers only. And I was like, okay, that's why I'm sitting here. And they were like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not gay enough for you. and Or I'm not your kind of queer. That's fine. I get it. I had to go ring announce the next match anyway, you know, and I was wearing a dress that, that was a white dress with pink and blue flowers on it. And I had purple lace gloves and I had purple, well, they were lavender lace gloves and lavender shoes. And it's interesting because so many people think that Taylor Swift is covering up that she's a lesbian because it, lavender is a very lesbian color. Um, but lavender haze is actually just like, a reference to being madly in love but i was like it's funny because i had lavender on and it still wasn't enough but the thing is about being queer it's like it's whatever you want it to be it's not up to anybody to just to decide if you're gay enough or you're not gay enough or whatever the fuck none of that shit matters even if you're straight or you're curious or whatever who fucking cares just be you for being you you don't have to be anything anyone you don't have to be anything for anyone except for yourself. Just all you have to do is be nice to other people. Be kind, be polite. There's a couple of really cheesy sayings that I say all the time, but I really do believe them and I really do hold them true. One is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like I firmly believe that. I used to use that always when I was coaching uh, roller derby. I coached men's roller derby for years. I'm a gold medal coach in men's derby. That's true. And I'm not trying to be PC to be politically correct. I'm just trying to be polite and considerate. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with being polite and considerate. I'm not doing it to win brownie points. I'm not doing it to just appease the masses. I'm just trying to be polite and considerate. Like, because it's nice to be nice, man. It's just nice to be nice. I'm not asking people's pronouns to be PC. And when people roll their eyes at me or they go, why are you asking that? I go, because uh, I think it's the right thing to do. Because to some people, it makes a world of a difference. And because I would like to be treated with respect. So if I could treat you with respect by respecting your pronouns, why shouldn't I? And they're like, huh, I never thought it that way. Or some people that really, it doesn't make a difference either way. They're like, thank you for doing that. That's very cool of you. And I do it like virtually, I can't say every show, but virtually every show that I work with some people that I work time and time again, I might not ask them, but even some people I still touch base with every show. But like, for example, I just worked the last freelance show and there was a few people that I've never worked with before. So I definitely asked them and they were like, oh, thanks, Val. I was like, yeah, no problem. And it's no big deal. Just ask pronouns. It's okay. It's okay to be polite and considerate. I'm not doing it to be PC. I'm not doing it to kiss anybody's ass or to like to overthink anything. It's not overthinking. It's just like asking how to pronounce your name correctly. Is it Ali or Ali? Like, what do you, how do you, you know what I mean? Rachel Rose spells her name in a very specific way. I want to make sure I'm not saying Rachel Rose. It's like when people say Valerie to me, well, my name is Valfons, but your name might be Valerie, but we're both yeah. Val. It's like, just be polite. Don't just assume. It's no big deal. It takes two seconds. 
Right. And then if you make a mistake and somebody calls me Valerie, I say, oh, it's Valfonce. And then they, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then they move on. Just kind of looking forward, you had mentioned the Big Gay Brunch. You've been doing those. They just announced the collective schedule as of this recording. I don't know if you can tell me uh, publicly what you are doing or not doing, but what do you have coming up, generally speaking? I will be with Black Label Pro. We have two shows that day on February the 18th, which I'm very, very stoked about because I love, love, love working with Black Label Pro. They're one of my favorite promotions to work with. Um, I'm a little sad that I'll be missing Warriors debut at Talia Hall. I was already booked for BLP in advance, but I'm, I am super stoked that I'm working with Black Label Pro because I wasn't able to work some shows last year. So I was a little sad, but uh, yeah, we have two shows. Uh, one is Love Stinks and at 4 p.m. And one is All My Friends Are Enemies at 8 p.m. And I believe those will both be on Fight TV, if I'm not mistaken. And then the next day I'm working second wrestling, which is a promotion. I love getting to work. It's very kid friendly, which, you know, is like a totally different style for me, which I kind of love because it just reminds me of being a little kid, like getting my mind blown at shows, you know, and it's also really fun for me because it's actually ran by a rabbi. So it's a very cool throwback to my Jewish heritage. So it's really fun. Yeah, I love it. And then after that, you know, we're going to have to see what happens in March because I typically work spring training. So I will be out in Mesa and Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm not sure what I'll be doing this March, but I can tell you that I talked to Sir Effington and he was like, Valfonce, you have to go to Hollywood. And I was like, a duh. And I already have at least one dress. So there may be costume changes. I think because it's in Hollywood, I might need to do costume changes. I don't know what I'll be doing for Big Gay Brunch this year because typically I do at least one to two to three jobs for Big Gay Brunch because I go, Effie, what do you want me to do? And he goes, everything? Can you just do everything? And I'm like, yes, of course. So usually there's some hostessing involvement and then commentary and then ring announcing. Last year I did a little bit of each. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little bit of everything commentary. And then I did semi-main and main ring announcing. You are all over the Chicagoland area and the wrestling scene. And I love that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. I mean, I do love it for me, but I also really love the fact that I work with promotions that are willing to work with each other in letting me work with them. Because it could be like back in the day where it's like, no, you only work for me or nobody else, you know, and it's not like I was worried that it would have been like that. But instead, everybody's like, no, nah, dude, get a payday wherever you can. And it's very cool. I'm very thankful that I work with adults and not children. Though I do like working for the kids at Second Wrestling. <laughs> well, it has been lovely getting to speak with you. I enjoy talking with you all the time anyway. Um, and, I'm, and I hope that people that maybe didn't know your background or know as much about you um, know a little bit more now. And I hope that, you know, maybe next year we can, we can get you that win on that glitter bomb. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There was some pretty stiff competition this year. Like when I saw my name, like it's funny because, you know, people on the internet love to be negative and I just like scoff at it. I'm like, have you met me? Or like, do you know anything about me? Like, I don't really feed off of negativity. I thrive in a positive light because like, I'm sorry, I always hit by a semi and live. Do you think your negative shit talk is going to bother me? Especially when you say things like, what are you, a fat Chicago Renee Paquette wannabe? Like, that's a huge compliment, by the way. Like, first off, you told me I was from the greatest city on the planet. So, <laughs> whatever. And if you think I'm fat, cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like, that's not an insult. <laughs> like, 
And also, speaking of a non-insult, did you just call me a Renee Paquette wannabe? Because, like, she is a goddess. So when I saw, like, her name was on the list, mine was even close to that. I was like, wait, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And of course, Veda Scott, like, oh, my stars, what a gem that human being is. They're, like, one of the most talented individuals I have had the pleasure to work with. And they're also one of my favorite friends. Whenever I get to a site and we're working a show together, it's nothing but smiles. And like, we both love iced coffee, cold brew. Thank you for life. Denim jackets. Like just, we just vibe very well to the point where we both showed up in Texas on the same gig to do commentary together and had the same car. Like she, you know, showed up in a rental and I had driven my car down and it was the same exact car. Like what? Being in that company and everybody else that was nominated, I was just like, what? How is this even possible? So thank you for the nods to whoever gave me love. It's been a really rough year for me personally, health-wise and just personally. So to see my name amongst such talented individuals, It was the best gift I could have been given at the end of a very rough year. So thank you very much. And thank you to Grit and Glitter. And of course, Val Pal, I love you more than anything. So thank you for making time to talk to me and for just making the end of my year so wonderful. Like, wow. Like, that was so cool to see my (laughs) And I was like blown away. (laughs) Well, one of the many, many things that I just love and adore about you is just how positive you are and how uplifting you are to other people around you because the wrestling industry tends to have a lot of people that like to bring others down to make themselves look better or sees everybody as competition and I love that you you don't there's no reason to put people down to lift yourself up when you could like lift everybody up along with yourself and I feel like if you just you know spread some joy give each other a couple of high fives like it's just gonna make the day a lot better like at the end of the day let's all just have a good time otherwise what what the fuck are we doing you know what i mean we're not here to make a million dollars let's be real we're here to have a good time and if you make a couple bucks along the way well you know you know what i mean like thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight where can people find you on social media i'm really like a fan of the quick and easy social medias. So I like the Twitters. I don't subscribe to the negative Twitters. I just like the positive Twitters. So at Val Capone and I really love fun pictures. So the Instagram at Valphons, V-A-L-P-H-O-N-S-E. You should see the little peace hand sign dance I just did. You can imagine it, I'm sure. (laughs) 